Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. We talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda DeShazer. And this is Ellas. Welcome again. I'm Brenda Hernandez. I'm Brenda DeShazer. And we're on our ninth episode, and we have a very special guest. Today, we have Lita Smith with us. Yeah! Thank you for having me. Oh and my we, gosh, also we have like our first audience. audience. That's why you hear the, <laughs> the extra claps, which is great. I yes. love it. The extra hype here. So it's like, you yes. know, we're, we're getting big, you, you guys. So we already have an audience. Watch out, audience. Watch out, guys. Watch out. Be like in LA in the forum and like with mm-hmm. twenty thousand you know, guests, but on if you listen to last episode and you're listening back, our last two our two guests have been Latinas who you see on the street and you think they're not Latinas, they're white or they're Asian, you know, mm-hmm. and the one of the many reasons why we started Ellas was because there's not. A, a typical image of how a Latina is supposed to look like. And we're breaking down that stereotype with this episode again. And with us, Lita, tell us, because you, <laughs> you, people look at you, and I was one of those people that, you know, we met, and I was like, oh, because I didn't think you were Latina, and but you are. So tell us your story. How, where did you grow up? And Definitely that whole experience of people thinking you're not Latina and saying so many horrible things to our community. Well, first of all, thank you both so much for having me. Oh I'm my God. Super excited to be yes. here. <laughs> for the audience, a little background about me. I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and I went to college in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. That's pretty much Chicago, it's the big city there. And then went back to Dallas, Texas, came out to California. But the reason that Brenda was bringing up that I don't look like a Latina is because I am pale and redheaded. <laughs> I have curly, crazy red hair, freckles, pale skin. And it's so funny you bring that up because just yesterday I was getting my teeth cleaned. Mm-hmm. Shout out to everybody that needs to go to the dentist. Every six months, oh it's important. Yes. Get your teeth cleaned. Shout out to Ava Dental. <laughs> but um. <laughs> So I'm sitting in the chair, I'm relaxing, closing my eyes, whatever. And the dentist is just, just like, oh, so where's your family from? Are you Irish? Like, oh, are you Russian? I'm like, nah, girl, I'm Mexican. <laughs> I'm Mexican and half <laughs> what Canadian. Was like when you said that? Like- she was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> I swear to you. She's like, where's your mom from? I said, Zacatecas, Mexico. She's like, mm, I still don't believe it. You need to take, they literally told me, you need to take the 21 and, or 23 and me test. And I was like, yeah. I'll, how about I save $300 and I just know that my parent is from Mexico and the other one's from England. Yeah. How about that? Um, Google, use this Google Zacatecas and you'll know that that region of Mexico, people look like Lita. Exactly. <laughs> like, like Latin America is so diverse. It's like we come in all shapes and colors, <laughs> hair color, eye color. It's like, no, you're not what you think we look like. It's mm-hmm. no. So... Do they always ask you, what are you? And then... All the time. Or they just say, oh, we just assumed you're Irish. Like especially when, so my college, Marquette, shout out to Marquette, it's predominantly an Irish Catholic school. And so 
that's the only time in my life that I've felt like the majority walking around with a bunch of redheads and everyone always just assumed you're Irish as well. So it's kind of a conversation starter, but I also have taken it upon myself to be an educational conversation because mo most people say, oh, your mom's Mexican, so you probably get it from your dad's side. No, everyone on my father's side have dark jet black hair. On my mother's side, her father was from Spain her roots are very deep in Zacatecas from her mother's side. So I have a lot of cousins that are redhead that look like me. I used to visit there when I was younger and I didn't feel quote unquote an outcast as much as I do trying to fit this stereotypical label and style that I think Americans try to put on Latinas. Yeah. And you grew up in Dallas. Girl. That's it's a personal. I've never been to Dallas, but I've heard <laughs> the stories and you even told us, you know, people assumed you were one of them and they had no filter. Mm -hmm. So how was that growing up? You you fit in, but you were also, you felt all the judgment that your mom experienced Correct. when so, she was living there. I'll give a little bit of history. I'm sure my mom is uh, comfortable with saying it because she's very proud of it now. Uh, growing, well not growing up, but back in the 80s when my mother had originally moved to Texas, um, she started working for American Airlines because they were hiring, I don't want to say immigrants, but green card holders. Mm -hmm. They were very open to that. My father is a green card holder as well. And she realized very quickly how hard it was to have an accent because my mother has red hair as well and she is light skinned we can say. And so when she would speak, people knew right away, oh, you're not from here, where are you from? And so she kind of felt the prejudice, mm -hmm. you know, even in the late 80s. I was born in 91, and so my mother decided, okay, we want you to be completely immersed, have as many opportunities as, I hate to say it, but the white folk do. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna name you Megan. So my real name is Megan Smith, and I took it upon myself when I was old enough and my mom told me this truth mm -hmm. behind my name to name myself Lita because I think that it gives me a sense of empowerment, but it also is a really cute name. Lita, yes! <laughs> and so she, she did that for me, and I have so much respect and, and pride for her having to basically strip away her own culture from her children to try to give us a better opportunity in a foreign country. And so for that, thank you, Mom. Really appreciate it, love you. But moving forward, I've put it upon myself to completely wipe that out. I don't care what difficulties I face in my life or in my future children's lives, we're going to strive for it. And that being said, growing up, um, you know, I, I look Caucasian. And so a lot of times I would be involved in sports or hang out with friends. And I would just hear, I don't even know if they knew they were racist because we were so young, but just how comfortable they were talking about Oh, look at all these Mexicans on the street, or, oh my God, my gardener didn't do a good job. Like, he needs to go back to Mexico, stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, well, first of all, your gardener's Guatemalan. Okay, get it straight. And second of all, don't you feel weird putting other people down just based off of what you have perceived them to be? You know, it's, it's either you're sexist or you're racist or whatever it may be. It's very uncomfortable. And so I always took it upon myself to say, whoa, you know, I'm Latina, right? I take a lot of offense to what you're saying. Right now I'm saying it's strong, but as a little girl, 
obviously it was a little bit weaker. It was kind of more like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with that. But the fact of the matter is that you have to stand up for what you believe in and have those uncomfortable conversations with people. Right, because there's a lot of, well, white people that haven't gone through, like, um, any, like, cultural training. And it's really sad because, yeah. like, they've only been around Wait. other people like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you're not around, like, people of color, it's kind of like you don't get that decency of, like, mm-hmm. knowing the proper words to say or what not to say. And, like, knowing that, like, something is very racist because a lot of times it seems like they don't know or if they do know, they just choose to do it. And it's like... Why do you feel so free to do that, like, put down yeah. someone that way? That's a good way to put it. Why do you feel so free to be racist? Privilege. Privilege. Bathing in it. Mm-hmm. But, and you were also telling us before the, the, the episode that one of the things that your mom decided to do was also to not teach you Spanish because she was afraid that you would also have the accent and... But once you once you started wanting to learn Spanish, she would make fun of you, and oh, your fam, her, your mother's um, the side, your family from your mother's side would make fun of you, and that's something that many first generations, Latino kids, mm-hmm. go through. And can you share your experience through that? Absolutely. So. In the house, I'm the firstborn. So in the house, my mother, of course, always spoke Spanish to me. I mean, that's natural. You're in your home. And it wasn't until they were trying to enroll me into preschool, so the grade just before kindergarten, that I went through this little curriculum test, or I don't know what you would call it in the scholastic realm, but basically they would hold up flashcards and be like, point to your nose, point to your stomach, and I didn't know. And so they thought that I was, you know, mentally handicapped. But the reality was it was that they realized, okay, we need to bring a Spanish-speaking teacher in. And when they said, oh, ¿dónde está tu panza? I would point to my stomach. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, no, she's just ESL. And my mom was like, ESL? That's a handicap in itself. English as a second language. We're in America. You know, that mentality back yeah. then in the early 90s. So immediately shut down. No more Spanish. Solamente inglés. And so it was very difficult because now as I'm older, we had this conversation earlier, as I even try in high school, college, wherever to take Spanish classes to get that back, it is so hard to learn Spanish from someone who learns Spanish through a textbook. It's just not natural. And when I was trying to learn it, uh, yeah, I got a lot of slack, or not slack, but a lot of uh, pushback from my mother, from my family. They kind of made fun, and I don't really know where that stems from. I guess I should have a deeper conversation with them about it, but in my opinion, I think it's because they want you to speak it perfectly for you, but in my opinion, if I'm speaking it at all, we've all won. Yes. So I've invested in the Rosetta Stone, El caballo corre. I've heard that a million times. That's like the number one thing I remember from Rosetta Stone. But it's still very difficult. And it's also extremely difficult because there are a lot of different cultures. Like even on social media, I'll follow a lot of pop stars. You know, there was one just the other day I asked Esmeralda, my roommate, uh, who's fluent in Spanish. I I said, there's this joke I don't get. And so I also feel now in this day and age of technology and social media that I'm not understanding the slang. I'm not understanding the culture fully because even in English, you know, we have all these like sayings and uh, little things that people who are foreign here don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'll never understand that. That's the thing, but like that's 
also the beauty of Latin America. Uh, each country, each region in itself has its culture. Yeah. And when you're learning Spanish in America, a Caucasian teacher is teaching you so different types of Spanish of different mm -hmm. places that it also confuses you when you're a teenager, you know? When you're a child, it's so easy to teach a child like another yeah. language you you get it but when you're a teenager and you're like and you're not you're surrounded by people that make fun of your culture mm -hmm. it's a lot of elements that kind of push you away maybe from learning and maybe not like quite immerse yourself with in it right i guess absolutely and when you decided you know you were in dallas and you were saying like you had to get out of there i had to oh my gosh i had to spring out of there the second i could and so that's why it was very huge for me and my family my family's always invested in both my sister mm -hmm. and my education that's the most important the more knowledgeable you are the more freedom you'll have and the more opportunity you'll have especially in this country and so even though i went across the country to get a college degree my parents were for it. They're like, go for it. What's the expense? We don't care. Let's get loans, whatever it's going to be. And similar to my sister, my sister went to Denver. So we both got out of Texas. But I think what was so great about that opportunity is knowing that though I had this preconceived notion of Texas or the South in general mm -hmm. being very prejudiced and very slow and not fast to action, moving all the way to Chicago, Milwaukee made me realize there's a lot of work there too. There's a lot of work, I think, in middle America. Because now that I've been out to California, I have a lot of good friends that live in um, New York, you know, East Coast, West Coast. There's a reason why those coasts are predominantly Democrat, because they're more progressive. Mm -hmm. And there's just more opportunity, maybe because people are flying in from certain coasts, or I don't know what it is. Maybe it's their travel destinations. But there's a lot more freedom in, in how you say things and where you get your knowledge from. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've just wanted more, more, more since I've opened the doors to leaving Texas. And so for our listeners, can you share um, the career that you chose? Because, and then from there you went to marketing. It was like, tell us that story of like, you've, you've been moving around and like evolving, yeah. you could say. So how was that going through that? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is difficult. I have felt so many times. I'm only, how old am I now? 28. I'm only 28, and I feel like I've been rebirthed millions of times. I think every millennial feels that way, right? right? Like we're still ever evolving. Out, yeah. Okay, guys. Okay. <laughs> like, that is okay. <laughs> Just keep going through it. Yeah. You're learning something. Uh, I forgot the question, girl. I got excited on that. I know, me too. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> So tell us about the career that you chose and mm -hmm. how unfor it's unf it's it's the work for workforce. It's not on us, you know. You know, we have to change careers, we have to change jobs and titles and how has that been for you? You know, you you're now working in marketing. You're a marketing special specialist, but before this you were a fitness blogger, you had success in your blog. Mm -hmm. And but you know, you you were sharing with us before that it was unfortunate that you couldn't stay there more than a year mm -hmm. in, your work, in your works. So how was that going through? So I originally went to school for law. I went to pre-law. And I realized, I think, halfway through my sophomore year, 
Okay, there are a lot of lawyers, and unless you own your own practice or like know someone that owns their own practice that you can work for, tough luck getting a job. It was a very difficult time around like 09 to like maybe 2013. So I switched. I said, I asked my counselor, what can I switch to? I don't want to be unemployed after school. I got some student loans. Mm -hmm. We all do that need to be paid. The struggle is real. So I asked my counselor, what would be the easiest and most profitable transition for me to take? And she said, business, get your degree in business. Mm -hmm. Business has a lot to do with our, all of the laws, uh, courses that you've already taken and specifically marketing would be good because you're analytical. It's like, okay, cool, sign me up, let's do it. So I graduated and then what I realized immediately is that marketing translates to freelancing. As much as we hate it, it is still under that creative sector that most companies unfortunately do not have the budget to constantly afford. Mm -hmm. You know, marketing will always operate in the red, no matter how much sales support they provide and how much analytical data they can provide for whatever project that that company is working on, it will always be a department operating in the red, so we're always the first to go. My first job outside of college was in marketing, and I was laid off within a year. And since then, I think I've been laid off twice in my career, and I'm only 28. So that being said, a little bit of advice for people, especially women who want to go into marketing, because I think just naturally we're analytical beings. It's innate in us, and we know how to multitask, and we know how to really dive deep into situations, and we're all problem solvers. Yeah. I want everyone to know that it is not lucrative, it is not sustainable, and it is not a career that you can have job security in, as sad as it is to say. It's the truth. But that's not to discourage people who are like, I'm really into it, I really wanna do it. Go for it, girl. Shoot for the stars, do whatever you wanna do, but keep in mind that it's not peaches and roses. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to work very hard, you're gonna have to be diligent and continue learning. I mean, just last uh, December, I took a boot camp on digital design, because I don't know anything about <clears throat> Photoshop. I'm good at InDesign, I think I'm really good at um, Adobe Illustrator, but I knew nothing about Photoshop. <clears throat> and then my current company, they think that, oh, I'm in marketing, I know how to manipulate images. No, I don't. <laughs> Unless you wanna download Facetune. Yeah. I don't know how to manipulate images, but sure, I'll figure it out. So keeping that coachable hat on at all times in your career is what you need to sustain. I think that's really important to know because like for me like I feel like if I went into marketing and I got laid off within a year and then the next one I got laid off within a month or like a year or whatever I would honestly think it's because of me like I'm not fit for this job yeah. I'm not good at this job because obviously I can't last in like this field um one question I had about marketing was I know that like when you go into marketing there's so many like it's such a vast mm -hmm. amount of like companies you can go into mm -hmm. Would you recommend like them to go into certain like ones that they like products that they know so that you know how to target the audience? Or do you think it's like more of just like you have the marketing degree, you know how to like market things? I think that. So going back on the first question, I don't think you should go into anything that you you think that you know about. So, for instance, I am obsessed with um, uh, skincare. I love skincare, not makeup so much, but skincare. Girl, I could sell anything, tell you what to do, fix anything, I love it. Yeah. Though the beauty industry is extremely profitable, I think it's a multi-billion, if not trillion dollar industry, it is not one that has job security. They churn and burn creatives, and I call us creatives even though 
what's the difference between a graphic designer and you know marketing specialist like myself, uh, they churn and burn you. They will work you to the bone. You will be expected to do projects burning the midnight oil, and no, you're not getting paid extra. Yeah. So I think if you're going to go into marketing, look for corporations that have it in-house. Don't look for agencies. As much as agencies are great, if you want sustainability in your career, you've got to do something in-house. And do something that's lucrative. Go into technology or healthcare or something that they'll have the budget to keep you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, whether you know, sales are driving from people buying lipstick or if they're driving from people buying medical equipment, a ping is a ping. Data is data. It doesn't matter what you're selling as long as you're selling it. So go into something that, or at least a company that's been around for a while and you'll feel at least a little bit safer. <laughs> yeah. I think we're always told, follow your passion, but we're never told of, this also could happen and bef like, yeah, like all the pros and cons of it, right? Yeah. And it's good to know all those so one can make the right decision for themselves. Exactly. And I wanna touch on that um, you were talking about when you were looking for a job and you were oh, sending yeah. resumes. Mm -hmm. And we're going back to like identity and you know how people perceive us. You sent your resumes as Lita Smith and also as Megan Smith. So how was that whole experience like in the workforce? Well, let's just stop the podcast and ask the whole audience. Let's take a poll. Who do you think got the interview, Megan or Lita? Yeah, it was Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Megan got the interview, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I hope I'm not coming off as negative Nancy. It's just I wish when I was 18, someone told me what I'm telling y'all now. I wow. wish someone said, go for it. Don't expect you know there to be fireworks at everything that you do, but know that if you are seeking the truth, you'll find it and digest the truth to make you better. So yes, I put, I submitted two different resumes, one under Lita, one under Megan, obviously had the same criteria and experience and skill sets. Megan did get the interview, but you know what? I took those interviews. I did. I took it and I asked a lot about their company culture. And I think doing that allowed me to realize, and I'm still realizing this today, girl, I, it's still a learning process, that not every company is for you. And sometimes we get worried, like, how am I going to pay my rent? I got to make sure I can afford my bills. I got to take whatever job I can get. I'm realizing as I get older that as long as you are financially aware of your situation and you don't overspend, keep yourself in a safe place that you can be choosier about what job you want, what company you want to invest in. Because it's not just them giving you a paycheck. You are investing your time, your skill set, your career, into a company, they better be giving the ROI back to you as well. Yes, exactly. And I don't think that it's your being a negative Nancy. I think you're just telling the truth that people need to know. Yeah. Like people have done studies on this of like certain resumes when you have certain last names or certain like first names, they kind of already judge you off of that name. And even for like applying for houses, they've done or they've done studies on that as well. If you mm -hmm. have a certain ethnic name, they probably won't sell you the house and give it to someone else that they think is going to fit this neighborhood. That's a damn shame. Yeah. But um, also, we were also talking recently about women in the workforce mm. and how tough it is 
especially as a freelancer, um, being a woman in the workforce. Um, do you want to share about yes, that? I'm really comfortable <laughs> sharing this because I think it's it's a tale as old as time, honestly. Uh, so we're brushing up on sexual harassment. Yes. It's very difficult. I don't know if it's being a woman, being a Latina. For me, I think specifically, I've been a target of sexual harassment due to my image because I am, quote, a fetish. And I say this because I've heard it numerous times from people that, oh, you're a redhead. Oh, you got milky skin. You're a fetish. And that feeling of being objectified, especially in a place where you're supposed to be professional, is so off-putting especially at a young age. I mean, my first encounter of it was right out of college. Uh, we were doing a golf event at my company, and one of our clients was coming on to me. And mind you, there was alcohol provided at the golfing event. Everybody was drinking to their heart's content. And we're Southern. We all like to drink. But that doesn't excuse any of the behavior that was given. So client came on to me in a public setting luckily one of my supervisors did tell him to back off but my direct supervisor didn't say anything monday morning comes around i asked to meet with him and i said that was completely unacceptable what are we going to do about it and he basically said it comes with the territory you're in a male dominant industry uh if you don't feel comfortable maybe you need to look somewhere else and it wasn't so blatant as that, but that was the gist of it. Basically said, I'm not going to do anything about it. Client pays our bills. Get over it. So ding, ding, ding. Light bulb's on. Got to protect myself. And it sucks because that feeds into rape culture. Yes. I got to protect myself. What was I doing? Nothing. Mind my own business. Doing work. So I don't know what to do about that. And it sucks because it's not my only instance of it happening. And I'm sure it's not the only instance of it happening even this past week. Yeah. Definitely. Everyone's going through it. Um, for just for everybody that is out there listening, and if you don't know, because I didn't know this until like recently, like the specific what is sexual harassment versus sexual assault. Assault is the actual action of it, and the mm -hmm. harassment is behavior characterized by the making of unwelcome or inappropriate sexual remarks or physical advances in a workplace or other professional or social situations. Well, then, girl, it was an assault. No. He, he lent in for a kiss. What? Mm -hmm. Are you serious? <laughs> serious. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, mm. I didn't know the difference. Thank you so much for Yeah, I didn't out. know. Yeah. <laughs> I had to look it up because I recently had, or not recently, um, a couple of jobs ago, like, um, my boss actually, like, asked to see my breast and it was just like what? yeah it was kind of just wow. like a like okay whatever and I brushed it off because I was like oh that's just his like demeanor and behavior and it sucks that like as a woman that I just brush it off like oh it's because you're a male and like that's just how you that's his personality it wasn't just like his male like just how he is mm -hmm. and so I just brushed it off walked out of the office and I was like okay whatever and um like Recently, this past two years, someone defined it for me, and I was like, oh, so that was sexual harassment. Got it. Okay. And, like, you can't even blame, like, what you were wearing or anything. It could happen no matter what, like. Exactly. Just because you're a woman and then men were, like, immediately. Doesn't, doesn't matter what you're wearing. Um, you know, people will say, oh, you asked for it because you were wearing a, a short dress or you had a couple of beers or anything. Right. And if you don't, yeah. and if yeah. you don't do that, and if you're just, you know, someone who is wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt, you will still get harassed, or, or so. Because yeah. it has nothing to do with us. Mm -hmm. It's all to do with them.
In certain situations, there's mm-hmm. resource, there's yeah resources such as like human resources going to identify that as soon, nipping in the bud as soon as that happens. And if not that, you can always take legal action, especially right now with the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. It's very like it's out there in the media. Now, thankfully, we live in the age where like this is finally getting awareness. Yeah. And you were saying, yes, like there are companies that have the HR department, but then <laughs> coming back to the topic of being in the marketing field, most places don't even have an HR. Most, you know, the person that uh, is your boss and your supervisor, and then might be the person that's harassing you, is the same person that is dealing with HR. And as people from the marketing department are working constantly in freelancing, you know, they have to experience that. And they don't have an, the HR department to no. go to. And a lot of these, you know, situations happen and you're afraid of like speaking out because you won't get a job or you won't get your next paycheck. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, like, it's, it's unfortunate. And you're like, people decide, women have to decide between getting, paying the rent or leaving a job where they're in and they're going to feel safe from leaving that yeah it's also a catch-22 because though majority of my work experience has been working for startups and smaller companies due to the fact that I love the autonomy that comes with that especially the autonomy that comes with freelancing you don't have that corporate support there's no HR and you're right Brenda you have to report your manager to your manager (laughs) and so really it's just taking it upon yourself and knowing that no is a full sentence in business as in life you don't gotta explain yourself he came on to you no do you feel comfortable with us having this conversation no done you don't have to explain yourself and I feel we have to repeat that all the time because as women, and you know, this is a Latina podcast. We're not conditioned to say no, you know, and yeah. it's we're like, or oh, we have to apologize, or we have to explain ourselves. And no, it's like by saying no, we don't have to give explanations or anything else. Any what advice would you give, like other Latinas, other women that want to go into marketing and copywriting? So when you initially asked me this, I right off the bat was like, don't do it. You know, I, but then I, I felt <laughs> bad. I felt so bad because how am I going to tell someone don't do something that is innate in you and you think will be a great career experience for how long do we work? 40 plus years? Who knows now? When are we ever going to retire with Social Security ending? Tangent aside, I've thought about it more and I truly feel that if you want to go into marketing, go into it, but be a, a Jill of all trades know the complete Adobe Creative Cloud, know Excel like the back of your hand. You gotta know pivot tables, girl. Figure them out. There are so many free tools and resources on YouTube that you can utilize to your benefit. And if you wanna go into marketing, go for it. But if everything I'm saying is kind of deterring you from it, then work your butt off in college, do something hard, go into engineering, go into uh, finance, go into um, law like I didn't. Work your butt off for it if that's what you want. Don't take the easy route and don't just listen to a counselor because you're terrified. Do your research and figure out what you want for your future and go for it. For what advice would you give your younger self? I know you, in this episode, 
you said you defended your culture and your community, maybe not with like the strong and confidence, but going back, what would you tell that, you know, young Lita, 10 year old? That leaving Texas doesn't solve your problems. <laughs> the truth of it, girl, is that your problems will follow you everywhere because they are your own. But embrace them. Embrace the sacrifices you have to make. Embrace the commitment you have to give to yourself and to your career and to your loved ones. And don't ever let anyone put you down. Yes. You know, there's this wonderful book that my mom and I are obsessed with. It's called The Four Agreements. Oh my God, yes. Yes, yes. girl, snaps for that. I, <laughs> I literally printed out The Four Agreements and I have it in my desk and I read it every day because the number one thing that I always struggle with is, um, I, I think it's number three, but it's don't let the opinion of others affect you ever even if it's a good one like someday i'll get a pat on the back and they'll say that was awesome good job okay cool you did great because that's your job yeah. like you are great the next day they're gonna say this is horrible it's all your fault no it's not you're just upset and you're looking for an outlet to vent to so just have that steady understanding with yourself that if you always do your best which i think is number four mm -hmm. if you always do your best no matter what your best is that you will always be the best you can be lita where can our listeners find you, follow you, <laughs> and is there anything else that you want to plug in here? <laughs> Come the plug. Let me give a shout out. I do have a uh, website on the side. It's a, it's called Golden Styles. So it's styles with a Z at the end, goldenstyles.com. And it's really cute. I mean, it's like trendy little clothes, knickknacks and trinkets, jewelry, sunglasses, everything you kind of need if you just want some quick little pick-me-ups. But uh, shout out to Golden Styles. And you can find me on Instagram and probably Twitter. I feel like that's what I do the most. I don't do the Facebook anymore. Oh, Facebook yeah, is just too like much. Right? right? Oh, Lord. Like, MySpace now. <laughs> and the Snapchat is all just selfies. So I'm like, I'm over that. Yes. But um, IG, I'm at Barefoot Lita. B-A-R-E, because I have gotten that question before. They're like, how do you spell bear? I was like, do you think I'm talking about a paw? Like paw like the, Lita? The animal? Yeah. Bear. <laughs> Barefoot Lita. Uh, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you guys for being on the show and for being so <laughs> open and truthful and just not having a filter and just saying what things are. Real talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we would love to have you back on the episode on the on the podcast to talk more about you know marketing and just women at the workforce and anything that you you know even like learning Spanish and mm. being judged for it. Because yes. again, guys, we are still all figuring it out. Yes. And like our story yes. just never ends. Yeah. Like this is still probably a beginning of a beautiful life like yeah. happening. And we come with like twists and turns. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you, Lita. Thank you for listening. Um, you could follow us on Ellas the podcast. That is E-L-L-A-S the podcast. Or you can send us an email if you want to be on the podcast, be a guest. We want to learn your stories. We want to talk with you. Send us an email at ellas, the podcast. And leave us a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Five stars, y'all. Yes, five, five stars. stars. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you, Lita. We'll talk to you next time on another episode. But I am Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda Teshazer. And this is Ellas. Ellas is co-hosted by Brenda DeShazer and me, Brenda Hernandez.
Thanks to our editor and producer, D.F. DeShazer II. And thank you to Shro, who created our theme song. This is a yes. Cool. Cool. Yes.